Hey guys, so we are going to talk about shadows around connection and belonging. I'm currently working on this topic and at first I had anxiety. I thought this one was going to be really hard and painful <laughs> because of things that have happened in the past. And you know what? It has actually been so exciting and rewarding and a totally different experience. And I'm pretty amazed and astounded. But I want to talk about it because I just know from talking to people that there are a lot of us who have really been hurt around this subject and a lot of us are still struggling somewhere with connection and belonging. So first I want to explain why this is actually so important because I feel like over time we kind of begin to lie to ourselves and we kind of convince ourselves that we don't actually need connection. We don't need to belong in anywhere, you know, the whole, I don't need nobody as long as I got myself, um, which it's really, we're going to get to that later. It's great to have yourself, but when we convince ourselves that's all we need, we kind of get this like chip on our shoulder and we kind of isolate ourselves in this bubble. And I feel like at the heart of that, we actually truly, if we were really honest with ourselves, we truly do want connection and we want to belong somewhere. But because that was an unmet need, we kind of convince ourselves that it, sh it doesn't exist. It's not there anymore. And so I think it just kind of becomes this wound. So let's talk about why it's important. I might have spoken about this in another episode. I'm not sure. But this wonderful woman named Helen, who is a psychiatrist um, and also in the spiritual community, she does uh, hypnosis, was telling me that it is in our biological like DNA for us to naturally gravitate to connection and trying to belong to some type of community for survival. Because in the beginning of time, or in caveman days, you had to belong to your clan in order to survive. If you did something to get kicked out of your clan, you were on your own. And being on your own in caveman days, it's not like there was grocery stores or housing or just other friendly clans nearby to just walk up and into and make residence, right? If you got kicked out, you had nothing but, say, a stick, a spear, and whatever you were wearing, whatever very, very small few things you had. And now it is up to you to try and hunt and catch your own food by yourself. There is nobody to watch your back while you try and sleep at night to help keep you safe from wild animals that might would come and try and eat you or from other people who have been abandoned who might would come and kill you for what little you might have. And if you found another clan, a lot of times those clans did not just easily take you in. So it was a very, a lot of people died. A lot of people died. It was like a death sentence if you got exiled from your community. So it's ingrained in us to belong somewhere, to try to. And from a spiritual perspective, we're also designed for connection. Because not only does connecting with other people bring healing to us, it has a way of being able to really lift us up, to lift our spirits. Um, it has the ability to be a support system that allows us to go farther in life than we would have been able to. Um, we need interactions with other people simply as, you know, for the mirroring effect. We need them as mirrors. We learn about ourselves, who we are on an unconscious level through our interactions with other people. So this is really important. And I'll tell you this right now. 
I have a sister-in-law. She gave birth to two twins premature, and she's got a toddler. And one of her sons was born with severe brain bleeding. And he was born deaf and blind. And now the doctors are saying that the brain is disintegrating on itself even more. And I'll tell you, that's probably one of the hardest things for a mom to have to hear. She is unable to work now because he needs full-time care. She's, you know, at home with these two twins. She's got a toddler. And the doctors are basically saying that not only are they not sure that, well, they're trying to say that he'll never live a normal life, but they're, they're saying that they're not sure that he'll even live, right? And imagine having to deal with that alone if you were, if you were by yourself. But because she has such a great support system and she has a sense of community, she's fighting that. She is, she is battling against her depression. She's not just submitting to the depression. And, and I'm not talking bad about any of us who end up getting stuck in our depression. I have been there where I cannot get out of bed and I understand. But because she has a support system, she's fighting through all of these heavy emotions and she's got people who are praying for her children and showing up to help her. And it has greatly made a difference in her life and how she's able to cope with this huge part of her journey. And it has helped keep her spirits up when it it's going so down and she feels like she's drowning. She's got something to reach out for. Now, a lot of you might be like, well, that's nice, but you know, I don't have that which is why we're going to talk about the shadows around the subject, because I, I truly believe that our creator desires for us to all have connection, to all have some type of community and support group, a support system. I believe that that is a true desire for his children. I believe that that is something that we all are capable of having, but I feel that it's these layers of wounds, these shadows that we're going to get to that sometimes really keeps us from healing that bridge to be able to get back to a place of having this connection. So what are some of the lies that we fall for around this? This is how we begin to, um, when I say lies, what happens is not only are we going to uncover the shadows, but we also develop these lies or these stories around our wounds or shadows to help keep these self-limiting, self-sabotaging beliefs in place. It's like because we have these lies and these stories, we help keep this loop very real, even though it's an unhealthy loop, instead of getting out. And as I say this, I want to throw out here that I want to emphasize it's not so much that we need just any type of connection or any type of community. We need the right type of connections and the right type of community. And by right, I mean healthy. A lot of times we kind of rush out and it's like we just settle for what we can find, whatever connection or where we can belong that we can find. We're just so grateful to have it. We just take it. Even if we see red flags, even if we see things that are not at all in alignment with who we are, we just go for that. And after a while, we begin to really compromise ourselves. So I want to emphasize that there really is a difference between healthy and perhaps unhealthy connections and healthy and unhealthy communities. And some of you are in communities and you do have connections, but they are not actually healthy for you. And you might be listening to this, and if that is you, I encourage you to really look at that as well and ask yourself a few questions. You know, do you hold on to things because they are genuinely healthy for you? They're bringing out um, healing in you. They are helping you down the path that's in alignment with you. Or are these connections or communities causing you to compromise yourself? 
Are they causing you lots of stress? Are they draining you? Are they um, keeping you in some type of comfort zone where you're not really moving past, you know? And don't get me wrong, we can learn from everything. I've been in unhealthy connections and unhealthy communities, and it has taught me wonderful things. It's taught me so much. But it also gave me lots of scars and stress and turbulences that I turned around and had to go heal from. And so why I'm bringing this up is that sometimes by staying in the wrong communities and the wrong connections, we stay so distracted all the time and so busy fighting the same battles over and over and over again, we never actually get ahead. We never move forward. We stay in this loop because we're not actually breaking through. It's like hitting this invisible barrier. And instead of busting through, we kind of turn around and just repeat the loop over and over and over again. And that to me is like perhaps even a self-sabotaging way of trying to avoid growth or avoid one's calling. Like maybe there's something very profound that you're here to do and experience a part of your destiny. Um, and it's possible that that's something that really terrifies you. Or maybe you just really don't want it. Like you're like, I, I sense this. I understand it can probably be good, but I just don't actually want that. And so we kind of just like talk ourselves from having that breakthrough. And so whichever it is for you, uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying that looking at what are the shadows around that, because there are shadows around staying in unhealthy connections and unhealthy communities or avoiding your own breakthroughs, avoiding your own growth. There's reasons you're doing that, whether it's fears, whether it's um, feeling like the breakthrough is taking you into a place of unknown territory, into uncertainty, to where you feel like you don't have the upper hand. Maybe it's an equal playing field or, uh, you know, this could be about control issues. You know, do you have sh shadows around control issues? If you're someone who struggles with control issues, this is my true belief about that. Control is our way of wanting to protect ourselves from being hurt. And control issues is a false sense of security. And the reason why it's false is because the moment you lose control or that control is taken away from you, you'll notice very quickly that you do not feel secure. There is suddenly no security, which is why control issues is a false sense of security. We want to try and control everything as our way of gauging how much something is going to be able to hurt and impact us. How close we're willing to let someone get to us uh, in the event that they you know, were to hurt us or even the opportunity or chance it could happen. And sometimes those are reasons we stay in these unhealthy connections to communities. And I will tell you right now, you can still experience depression and feeling alone and feel lonely and feel unseen and feel like you don't belong anywhere, even when being in connections and being surrounded by people. Because if you don't truly feel seen, if you don't truly feel valued, if you are not being challenged in some way, then your soul is going to start pushing you to move forward. And it really kind of creates this battle between two wills that are within you. Your soulful desires, what your soul is wanting to do, and then what our ego, our individual self is wanting. And that can cause a lot of turbulence and distress. <clears throat> so I want to throw that out there for anyone who's listening who feels like, well, I do have connections, I do have community. You know, just stop and question that for a minute and, and look at what kind of community and connection you have. 
And some of you might have really wonderful connections to community and it might be beautiful and it might be vibrant. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy. Um, if that is something that you have, that is a blessing. And I encourage you to really honor those connections and, uh, be really respectful to them, have gratitude for them because it's kind of a big deal. There's billions of people in this world. And for those that, um, are equally willing to be in your life and participate in life with you and experiences. I mean, that's a big deal. You are special to them. They, they are recognizing value of you. Um, I don't know that that's the right word for it, but they are celebrating the beauty of you and trying to experience life with you. And I feel like we really take this for granted. Um, and so I encourage you to do that and to let these people know that you love and appreciate them. So some of the shadows, let's, you know, get to it, that get in the way that ruin our ability to have healthy connections is that for a lot of us, we've been hurt in our childhood. I'll get to it in a minute about what happens like if it's in our adulthood. But you guys, the majority of our issues actually stem in our childhood or so I have found. And sometimes we don't realize it. I've had people all the time who have said, I really don't see how my childhood has anything to do with it. I had a great childhood, you know, da, 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 da. And then after a while we keep exploring and suddenly things dawn on them that they were not considering to be impactful or traumatic in any way. But suddenly it's like this light bulb goes off and now they get it right. And an example would be like, uh, there was a woman who, when she was a child sitting around the dinner table, it, everybody took turns talking about their day and what was important about their day. And right as it was her turn, her parents suddenly got in this ugly fight. And her father ended up yelling at her and it really hurt her feelings because she had patiently waited for all of her siblings to talk. It was finally her turn and they get in this fight and then the mother tells the children to go to their rooms so that her and the father could like work this out. And she looked at the little girl and said, I'll come to your room here in a minute so that you can tell me about your day. And the mom never came. And the girl had completely forgotten about this, right? Like it doesn't seem overly significant once you're in your late 20s to mid 30s. Um, but it was. It ended up being very significant for this uh, person. I was working with her and it was just a profound moment when she realized that that had caused her to begin to feel like she was someone who just didn't have anything to share with people. That's how it was showing up in her teens and adult years is that she would be with friends and social at social gatherings and people would be talking about their life, things going on in their life, what they were excited about, what they had done this past week. And when every time it would get to her, she just wouldn't say much. It's like she wouldn't share much details about her life. She wouldn't open up about anything. And she uh, didn't understand why that was. She felt like perhaps she was boring and she worried that all her friends thought she was boring. And she didn't realize that this was all from this dinner situation. So this is what I mean by childhood can be so impactful. And so whether it was that a parent rejected you in some way where you felt like you could not get enough of their attention. Maybe you had parents or a parent or caregiver who would not or who was unable to give you the attention that you needed. They were unable to meet the needs that you needed. Maybe that caused you to feel that you're not actually important that you don't actually matter, that you're insignificant. Maybe they never got excited 
about anything for you. Like maybe there are things you were excited about. And when you try to share it with those that matter to you, no one seemed excited for you. Like no one seemed inspired about what you had achieved. They just treated you like it was just not a big deal. Like who cares? You know, like, okay, okay. Like I'm trying to watch a TV show. I hear you. Like go do something. Go play. So maybe over time you began to feel that, um, you know, maybe similar to this client I used to have that you were not interesting enough. You weren't fun enough. You were too boring. Um, that you don't have the ability to keep somebody's attention. And maybe that has caused you stress and anxiety in social gatherings. And when you try to connect with people, maybe you suddenly start getting overwhelmed with these fears of, um, am I fun enough? What if people find me boring? Am I interesting enough? Am I smart enough? And maybe it, it, it causes so much anxiety of you trying to ask yourself these questions. And maybe you try too hard to be more than what is feeling natural to you. Like maybe you try too hard to be more fun, to be more interesting, that you're just kind of grabbing out for whatever you can find to try and keep things real spicy or uh, vibrant to hold somebody else's attention. Maybe you feel like you have to work hard to have a connection. Like you can't just relax and be yourself. And that can get stressful over time. And you may begin to feel like it's just not worth it. It's not worth all the work or that you're out here struggling, putting all this effort because you feel like you can't let the ball drop or you'll lose somebody. And one of the main themes here that I encourage you to work with, if this is sounding like something you've dealt with, is I am enough. This is one of the most powerful shadows to work with is I am enough. I am enough. This isn't like something you just repeat to yourself in a mirror. This is what stands in the way of you truly being able to believe that you are enough. And see, a lot of us have given our power away to other people and we let them be the author of whether or not we are valuable or worthy. We look to somebody else for some type of validation. And we started doing this as young as a child. And there's a huge problem with that. And I've said this before. No other human being can truly ever understand the value of somebody else. Because we don't fully even understand the value of ourselves. I'm a mother of a beautiful, beautiful girl, beautiful little toddler girl. I love her so much. I value her. But even I don't fully understand the value of her. And so for some of you, maybe you were children who were bullied in school. Suddenly, one day, all your friends, you hit this age where now all of your friends kind of take off into this click and suddenly you're not with them. You're not part of that click anymore. You got left behind, you know, or you got bullied, you got made fun of for something that you liked for the style of clothing you wore for things that were not even in your control. Like some of you guys got bullied for the house you lived in for the clothes that your parents bought you, for the shoes your parents bought you. Because at the time, that's what your family could afford. They didn't have the luxury or they weren't willing to go spend $200 on a pair of shoes. And then you got children over here being mean and hateful to you over things that you can't even control. You know, the family car, the way your parents look, um, the conditions that you're living in. And it's haunted you, like it scarred you, made you feel like you were inadequate, that you weren't, like I said, good enough, pretty enough, special enough, popular enough, wealthy enough, rich enough. And 
now as an adult, maybe you're caught up in some type of performance act. Like you've got to really put on this mask. You got to really perform to have connections. Um, maybe now you're like, I have to have the best of the best. I have to have the best name brand clothes and the best shoes and the cleanest car and the best this and that, because there's this anxiety that if for some reason you don't have the best and you're not looking on point all the time, that younger you who was hurting is going to sneak back up and that, um, you're suddenly going to be faced with that feeling of feeling inferior when you were younger and that something it's going to mean something about you that you're going to end up dealing with some type of rejection if you don't have it. And this is just what I want to say to you is that we have given this power to people who not only don't even understand the value of ourselves, but they were not, I'm trying to think of how to, how to put it. They have no authority to get to make those kind of decisions. They don't have no authority to decide the value of who we are. And we, like what I'm trying to say is, especially if you were a child, we gave all this weight to children. We gave so much power and weight to other children who know nothing about life. As children, let's just be honest, we know very little about life. We don't know what it's like to suffer yet. Like, by suffer, I mean, we don't know what it's like to be the one in charge of paying bills. And it's up to us to pay the bills and we don't have enough money. We don't know what that's like. We don't know what it's like to take care, to be responsible for taking care of other people underneath us. We don't know what it's like to struggle the way that um, we understand now. Now, I know like for some of you, you probably, some of you have probably undergone extreme abuse or trauma and you do know a lot about struggling. Even as a child, you were forced to grow up way too fast. Um. And I'm going to get to you in a minute, to those of you um, that this will resonate with. So for many of us, we just, we put, we gave so much power to, to children who just don't know better. They have no idea what life is about. And a lot of those children, they moved on. They moved on a long time ago. They do not remember what they said to you. They do not remember what they did to you. The majority of them don't. They moved on within an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever. But you're still holding on to it. It's still hurting you. You still carry that. And so I ask you, if you go to this wound, if you go to this place within you, what does it need from you to heal? These wounds that keep you from having healthy connections, what do they need so that you can heal them? How can you unconditionally, and I mean fiercely, love yourself and be willing to believe that you are enough exactly as you are so that you can enjoy connections? Some of us are, we're holding on to so much anger and resentment we're unable to forgive. And I'm not here to like try and force forgiveness on anyone. But I'm just going to throw it out there. And trust me, when people are like, oh, but you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I may not be in your shoes to experience the intensity of the details of what you're going through. I'm not trying to invalidate your desire to not forgive. If you don't want to forgive, that's fine. But I will say this. I have been through tremendous pain at the hands of people that it would have been, it would have made great sense if I chose to not forgive them. But I did. I did. And I forgave them probably quicker than, <laughs> probably seems sane. 
And not because I was rushing to forgive, but I've just learned that forgiveness, the lack of it, the resentment, the holding on to the anger hurts me more than it ever hurts anybody else because every time I choose that resentment over the forgiveness, I'm like re-traumatizing myself every time and I feel the pain like soaring through my heart space, this achingness. Yet this person sleeps fine at night. And like that makes me more mad. It makes me more mad at the thought of me suffering still over something that someone else has moved on from than for me to just go ahead and, and focus on how can I go down this path of forgiving them. And it might take time. It's not like I forgave them overnight. But it's like I start gravitating towards how can I forgive because that's the keys to my freedom. And I'll be damned if I'm going to stay caged up because somebody didn't know how to treat me right. That's not happening. I am not staying caged up because somebody felt that it was okay to be abusive. Somebody felt like it was okay to bully me. Somebody felt like it was okay to create rumors and slander me. No. I need to be free. I want to be free. I starve for freedom. So I'm going to focus on forgiveness because that's the keys to my freedom, the keys to my kingdom. But some of you are holding on to all these resentments and you're holding on to all this pain. And then you're wondering why you can't have healthy connections. But when we hold on to all these wounds, we hold on to all this pain. What happens is typically we begin to project these wounds onto other people. So like, I'm going to use fake names here. Susie had a bad experience with somebody in business. She went in on a business idea with somebody and it did not work out well. This person cheated her. This person did... Uh, hateful and hurtful things behind her back and it was a bad fallout and now they're not friends at all and of course the business ceased to exist you know it all closed down well now five years later Susie gets a great business opportunity with this new person this person named Janice and Janice has done nothing to give off any indication that she cannot be trusted. She's given off no indication that this particular business opportunity will be anything like the last. But because this person has not dealt with the healing of what transpired in the last business situation, Not only is she leery about the opportunity with Janice, but when she does try to get into it, every little thing Janice does or says is triggering the past to where, you know, this person is constantly questioning the motive of Janice. Well, what'd she mean by that? Well, what did that, you know, well, what's she trying to say? Well, is there a sinister plot here? Does she have an agenda? Well, is she really going to do that? And it, it becomes like there's there's this lack of ability to trust. And it's like looking for every little piece of evidence that Janice is indeed going to do something hurtful and harmful to her or the business. And this is why I mean, what I mean by we project our wounds onto other people and situations. We begin to set things up for failure. Because something didn't work out, this is probably not going to work out. It's just a matter of time. So I'm going to set it up for failure by looking for every single red flag I can find. Every, I shouldn't say it that way because we, we do want to be aware of red flags. Um, we want to use discernment, okay? But it's this I, mentality of I'm going to look for every little cl clue that I can't trust this person or I can't trust the situation because it looks too much like something in the past. And because of this, 
we actually manifest things of the past to repeat themselves. So like, let's say you have had relationships or friendships where you always get left behind. Like they abandon you. They leave you. And because you, you've accepted this as your reality, you believe that this is the truth and that this is likely going to always be the way that it is. You manifest this not only by looking for every little thing, but you're giving off this energy of, I don't want this to work. That's the energy you're giving off is I don't want this to work out. I have a chip on my shoulder. You, without realizing it, is putting out this energy of others need to walk on eggshells when dealing with me. Because at the slightest moment that I feel like something in the past is going to repeat, I might just cut it all off. I'm done. I walk away. I cut or I pull back. I hide. I leave. And then we wonder why we can't have healthy connections and why we feel like we don't belong anywhere. And it's painful. It's not only painful to ourselves that we keep doing it, but it's really painful to the people around us who don't understand why it keeps happening. They don't understand what they've done. They don't understand why they can't just relax and be who they are and feel safe that it's okay. And so what happens is we end up hurting other people because we're trying not to get hurt. And this cycle of hurt just keeps going. And this other person then gets hurt. And now they might be dealing with some of the same issues that the other person was dealing with. Why do I always end up getting rejected? Why do I always end up getting left out? Why do people stop being friends with me? And it's the same thing that the other person was dealing with as well. Because there's this lack of communication. There's this lack of ability to have faith in one another. There's this lack of us taking accountability for our wounds and our pain and working through it. Um, and being open to the stories that we've created around connection and belonging and what are we willing to do to change the story. Like you can break up with your story at any time and choose a different one. So a lot of times we pre-reject ourselves and others. And that looks like... Um, I kind of touched on this, but like, so I used to do this. I'd walk into a room and it was instantly like, well, nobody's going to understand me. Nobody's really going to see me accurately. So there's really no point in me socializing. See, that's pre-rejection. I'm pre-rejecting myself when I enter a situation with that type of mentality. And I'm being, in a way, prideful and arrogant, I'm assuming that I know everybody in this room and what they're capable of feeling and seeing and what they're capable of not. And I'm taking it for granted that on some level, every single human being feels like they're misunderstood. By the way, we all share that in common. We all feel like we're aliens from different planets. We all feel like nobody gets us. We all feel like nobody can see us. That's what's crazy is that that kind of I'm so different I'm so alone feeling, we actually all share it. At least the, the majority of all sensitive people, we all share it. Which tells me we're not actually as unique and alone as we think. We all are, are looking to belong somewhere. We're looking for our community. We're looking for our tribe. Um, Pre-rejection says, you know, I need to wear a mask. I can't be my authentic self. So I'm going to wear a mask and I'm just going to laugh my way through this, fake my way through this. Let's just get through this situation, this social event and like move on. There's no real depth. You're not actually truly connecting to other people with depth. You are okay and you are fine if they just cut you off. You are you are more than fine if they stop talking to you today. 
That's fine. I don't need them. I, I ain't going to fight for this. I ain't fighting for no relationship or connection. That a, that's pretty rejecting. And it's painful. We give up so easily on people. But most importantly, we so easily give up on ourselves. Imagine being the other person and feeling like, wow, I mean so little to this person. Here I am. I'm trying to be friendly to this person. I'm trying to embrace them with warm arms. I'm trying to include them. I'm trying to build a connection with this person. I'm trying to have a friendship. And this other person is like, I don't need you. If you quit talking to me a day one, that's fine. I'll be fine. You know, I got me because this is that pre-rejecting mentality, this over-individual mentality. Well, that makes the other person feel like, well, geez, like I'm see I'm of so little value to this person. Well, that doesn't feel good. So why would I want to keep trying to invest into somebody that I end up feeling like shit around? I feel like they've got no problem walking away from me at any given point of time. That hurts. And the reality is, a lot of us, we do this pre-rejection, but on the inside, we're actually hurting. We're hurting for some type of connection, yet we're pushing it away every time it comes. And it's, it's a self-sabotaging loop. And so I, I encourage you to look at the shadows around this and to ask yourself, why do I do this? How can I heal this? And when it comes to fear, and this is, a, you know, this was challenging for me. So let's say my fear is that I'm going to be abandoned by somebody that I truly let in. Okay, so what happens if that does happen? That's what I'm going to ask myself. Leslie, okay, so what happens if they do abandon you after you let them in? What's the worst that's going to happen after you do that? Well, I'm going to hurt. Okay. And? Well, I don't want to hurt. Well, nobody wants to hurt. None of us want to hurt. We intuitively and instinctively will choose anything but pain. But even pain has a purpose. Even pain is a teacher. Can I survive it? Well, yes. <laughs> is it always the best quality of a life while I'm trying to survive it? No. Not for me. I'm so empathetic. My feelings are so deep. I love so fiercely. Nothing about it is going to be easy or graceful. Um, but am I, can I survive it? Yes. Am I going to become stronger through it? Yes. Each time I am stronger and I'm stronger and I'm stronger. <clears throat> it's like building this muscle. You can only be broken so much before you begin to understand that you can feel broken and still feel fierce. You can feel broken and still feel strong. You can feel broken and still feel on fire. Like you began to move out of this brokenness as a wound. And you began to move through it as I can hurt and still enjoy connection. I can hurt and still go grab life with zest and be a warrior it's like you become stronger. You, you, it's crazy. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but the truth is strong people are people who are able to maintain open connections with people despite the pain they've gone through. And see, I used to not understand this. When I was in my real depression, wounded days, which I deal with depression from time to time, but I mean like this was like bad, bad. This was when I was younger. It was like, it was like being stuck in depression for like years and there was no getting out of it. Like there was no, I didn't even get a break. It was like being permanently stuck in depression. That's the only way I know how to describe it. But in those days of being there, I just remember feeling like, Really happy people just don't get life. Happy people don't understand life. They don't know what it's like to suffer. They don't understand pain. Like, 
people who just had all these connections and they were just so friendly. Like, they just didn't get life. You know, I was, like, in this pity party of being all deep and morbid and, like, you know. And then I met people who, it was when I went to South Africa. I met people who had undergone so much pain, it made my pain look so easy. Like, it made me look like a child throwing a fit. Like, oh, you think your life's bad? Hmm. Come look at my life. But yet these people were happy. They were so happy. And they treated connection and fellowship with such love and care and value and honor and zest. And it was sacred. There was such a sacredness to it. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I don't understand. If you've been through all this pain, how can you be so happy? How can you be so open to loving people? Like you've been hurt. You've, you've literally been persecuted. I met people who were in the Zulu tribe of Africa because they had to run for their lives and take refuge in the Zulu tribe. Because over there in Uganda, there had been a rebel war with the Tutsi, where one tribe of people was slaughtering out the other tribe of people. And it was really, really sad because there was a little girl um, who got caught and was basically screaming and begging that, um, God, please help me. I won't be Tutsi no more. A movie was made over this, and it was based on a true story. And there was a, um, the invisible children. If you've ever, if you ever can get a chance to see that it's a documentary. It's great. But this child, before she got macheted, um, and I know that's dark and I'm sorry, but before they macheted her, she was begging and crying out to God, please, please. I won't be Tootsie no more. I won't be the color of my skin. I won't be the clan I'm born in. I won't be the culture anymore. I deny myself. Please let me live. The, these people had been through so much pain, but they were so happy. And they, that is how I understood that just because somebody is happy does not mean they don't understand pain. And just because somebody has lots of connection and friendships doesn't mean that they don't understand being betrayed, being abandoned, being hurt. The difference is, is that yes, some of us do live in a place of superficial connections and friendships which I'll talk about that. But for many of us, we've just, we've allowed our pain and wounds to heal or we're in the process of healing them. And we're becoming really strong because there's power in our pain. There's power in our wounds. And the more we face these things, and the more we heal these things, and the more we take responsibility for these things, the more power we gain. Um, that's how we're able to understand that you can hurt and still be happy at the same time. That's what's amazing is you can be hurting and be full of so much joy at the same time. That's real. So one of the first things I do want to say is, yes, you do want to belong to yourself. If you belong to yourself first, you can belong anywhere. Some people get so caught up in how many, the numbers of how many connections they have that they miss out on cultivating the realness, the depthness, the integrity of their connections. And so those are people who can be surrounded by a room full of people they know, but feel so alone. And a lot of times it's because we, we for, like stop belonging to ourselves first, which means we trade in our authenticity for people pleasing for mask wearing because we want to feel liked. We want to feel like we belong. But if you are being liked and, and belonging for being anyone else other than who you are hundred percent, then it's in a way it's built on a lie. Partly it's partly built on a lie. And maybe you're fine with that. But for me, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want anything built on a lie. Being authentic is not easy. I, I, you know, I will tell you it's not. 
But when you do have people come into your life, you know it's real. When people are connecting with you and you're being authentic, they're connecting with you because they genuinely feel aligned with you. They they like you. <laughs> they take interest in you. They feel complimented by you. And that is a very good, good feeling to feel that you can genuinely be yourself and that be enough. And I would rather have one to three good friends and be myself and that be enough than to stay in this false security because when shit hits the fan and you suddenly lose your false sense of security and friendships, it can be pretty painful. It can be pretty devastating. And what I mean by that is like you've seen people who it's like they feel like they're on top of the world. They've got all these friends. They've got all this attention. And then suddenly, you know, they get cancer. And suddenly everybody just disappears. Oh, now he's the guy with cancer. And people start avoiding you. Or, you know, you're the girl that you've got all these friends. You're always getting invited to stuff. And now suddenly you're pregnant. You can't go out and do as much anymore. And suddenly people quit calling. They quit coming around because now you're a mom. You got a baby. Or you might be a woman and you've got kids and you've built this entire social circle with your, you know, your work friends, your church friends, you know, and all of these things. You're not, you know, you're not built on authenticity. And now your child is a meth addict. You have a kid with battling addiction. And now suddenly these people don't want to talk with you. You get an embarrassing fight on social media. You have an embarrassing downfall, a, a mental breakdown, or um, you reveal uh, an opinion or who you voted for. And suddenly you get slammed on social media and now suddenly you lose your false circle of friends. It can be kind of devastating. If you had put that much weight and power into it. So when you are willing to be authentic, you don't got to worry about that. It's not the same. It's like um, when you belong to yourself first, it gives you a true sense of security. And belonging to yourself means I am willing to be open to continue to understand who I am, authentic, authenticity authentically <laughs> and learn who I am. I'm willing to do what I can to show up as this person. I am willing to understand what I believe in. What are my morals? What is my levels of integrity? What do I believe? You know, what do I believe in? And I'm willing to be this person no matter where I go. I'm willing to be this person no matter who I'm around. I don't need to change myself just to fit in. I don't need to change myself just to be liked. I don't need to change myself just so that this person will enter a relationship with me. And when you can do that, when you can belong to yourself in that way and understand how to value yourself to the best of your ability, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And it allows now for your connection and belonging with other people to be built off some type of solid ground. Because you are aware, you know what you can give, you know what you can take, you know your limits around that, you know what you can promise, you know what you can't promise. And it, it actually allows you to build genuine trust with people. It allows people to genuinely be able to trust you. So I encourage you to really look at um, what scars are you hiding behind when it comes to connection? What scars are you hiding behind? What lies do you tell yourself? What do you believe about friendships and belonging and connection and things like that. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of us have felt like we don't fit in. We're so different. We're like the black sheep. 
and it's like I, I strongly believe this, it is always those who don't fit in that are meant to not fit in. Like you're not meant to fit in. You are meant to be the face of change. You're here to do something different. You're here to pave the way for something new, a trailblazer. But we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the value of being different. We lose sight of why it's wonderful to embrace that. Because we get caught up in all of this social stuff and this conditioning. And uh, we get caught up in people-pleasing and looking for validation outside of us that we end up not truly taking the time to harvest what is so unique about us. We don't take time to really nourish the message that's inside of us. You're carrying something inside of you and it wants to be shared in some way. It wants to come out in some way. It wants to express, express itself in some way. And a lot of times, instead of really focusing on what that is and really pouring love and dedication into whatever that is and giving it the wings to fly and giving it the voice to speak, we let ourselves get too distracted and we let ourselves compromise and we let ourselves wear our mask and we let ourselves isolate and convince ourselves that we're meant to be alone for life and that it doesn't matter. And we pre-reject ourselves. But if you're always rejecting other people because you believe they're going to reject you and you isolate, who's going to hear your message? You've got no one to share your message with. You've got no one to share your gifts with. You've got nobody to influence. When I say influence, I mean that some of us are here to be an influence in a way that is very important. Very crucial. Some of you are here to be healers, teachers, mentors, um, unconditional love. I think we're all here to be love, to, to be real love. And so we have the opportunity all the time to be an influence in other people's lives. And whether we acknowledge it or not, we are influencing each other all the time. So we can make a decision to either consciously become aware of that and do something about it, or we can stay unconscious to the fact that we are always influencing other people. Are you influencing other people for the better or no? How do you influence other people? What kind of energy do you bring? What kind of stories are you carrying? What kind of beliefs are you projecting on people? How are you treating other people? Do you value your connections? Do you take them for granted? Do you hold them sacred? Do you treat them like, eh, it's fine if they leave, whatever, I'll move on. I'm not going to let myself get attached. I'm not going to let myself lean on somebody. People are going to reject me anyways. That's painful. And it's fine if you want to do that. If you are truly, if that's what truly feels right for you. But that's what I want you to ask yourself is like, is that the truth of who I am though? Or is that what I convince myself as a way to survive and cope with the fact that I don't have connections that are healthy or I don't know how to maintain them? Maintaining connections can be difficult. Maybe you're someone, it's really easy for you to make friends. It's easy for you to get people's attention, but it's difficult for you to maintain a connection because it gets overwhelming too many people want too many things. I'm too busy. I need lots of alone time. I can't handle all of this. Which is fine. Knowing, you know, where your boundaries are with being able to maintain things with other people. Um, but recognizing that we have this powerful gift and ability to be an influence. And if we're self-isolating all the time. We're not taking that opportunity and we're not giving our soul the opportunity to be influenced. And sometimes our spirit needs a pick me up. 
Sometimes the person who's battling depression, the last thing they want to do is step out of their home. The last thing they want to do is go around other people. Yet, if somebody forced them out of bed to go outside and go around somebody that is of healthy um, connection, or if somebody came over anyways, it's often proven it really picks up the spirit of the person who's depressed. So there's proof that we need this. So I just encourage you to look at what people are involved in the scars around this. Do you feel like you are giving a lot of validation, weight, and power to people? Do you feel like they, when they did these things to you, do you feel like they were, I don't want to use the word deserving, but do you feel like they were the authority to get to make the decisions of whether or not you are enough? Should they have that type of authority? And if you feel like not, then what does this scar need from you to heal? What do you need to be able to have faith again in somebody? To trust in somebody again? You know, how can you lean into the pain of whatever is the worst case scenario of whatever fear you have? How can you just accept that? So that you can actually just get through it. So the worst has already happened. You can accept the fact psychologically that this could happen. And you can survive. So how can we have faith that that, that doesn't mean it's going to? And we don't have to make it happen. We don't have to manifest it and then be like, see, I knew it. Yeah, you knew it because you predestined it to be that way. You set it up for failure and you made it so. And then you flipped it on somebody else and said, I knew it. I knew you'd let me down. I knew you would abandon me. I knew you would reject me. Those are wounds asking to be healed. Maybe for some of you with connection, the scars is around attachment. Do you know your attachment style? If you don't, I encourage you to look it up. There's tons of resources about attachment style. Look into that. It's pretty uh, interesting. Um, it's very helpful information. But um, for some of you, maybe connection hasn't worked out or belonging because your attachment style has caused you to be in situations where people have made you feel like you were too much. Too much, too needy, too this, too that, too loud, too fiery, too passionate, too distant, too something. Maybe that has hurt you to where you don't feel like You can have easy, healthy connections. Maybe you need to go back and look at those and ask yourself, is it really true? Is this stuff really true about me, though? Just because somebody else says that, just because somebody else implies that, it doesn't matter how much we love the person. It doesn't matter how much they mean to us. It doesn't make it automatically true. It just doesn't. Only you can know your truth. And too often we give too much power to other people to help define that truth for us. And for some of us, we gave that power to people that who did not know how to appreciate us. They did not know how to love us. They did not know how to value us. They did not see us. And then we got crushed by that. And we've built this whole lie around it. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're willing to heal this part of your life and see it for what it is and release it and look at how it's wherever it's showing up in one area in your life, it's showing up in others. So something's affecting you in the friendship department. It's affecting you in a relationship department, in your work environment, in your parenting. So anytime dealing with shadow work, when you find a wound, 
look at how that wound, that particular memory, that experience, look at how it's impacting you in multiple areas of your life. Don't just look at how it's impacting you in relationships or connection. Look at how it's impacting you in many areas. Because for a lot of us, if we are blocked in our ability to have connections, in our ability to feel like we belong somewhere, we're also blocked in being able to receive. And if we're blocked in being able to receive, a lot of times we can be held by arms, but we're unable to feel the love. We can have people say that, oh, we, you know, I love you so much, and we're unable to feel the love or believe in it. We can be blocked from receiving abundance from receiving opportunities because being, if you're blocked, you're blocked. It's not like it just impacts one area in your life, impacts multiple areas in your life. So I encourage you to really look at your connections in your life, your relationships with your parents, your spouses, your friendships, your children, your coworkers, um, anyone who is of any type of influence in your life. And to just really sit with those connections and look at the way that they are impacting you, the way that you're impacting them. Are you showing up as yourself? Do you feel like you're investing in your relationships and connections? Um, investing with genuineness, with love, with authenticity, with fierceness, with gratitude. Do you feel like you take them for granted? Do you feel like you treat them sacred? Are you scared of getting attached? Are you scared of caring too much? Are you scared of showing that you care too much? I feel like um, the only thing standing in our way of us having healthy connections and belonging somewhere is our, our perceptions. What we are believing about ourselves there is an energy to it. There's a frequency to it. It is showing up in our life. It can be subconsciously felt. So if we look at our perceptions and we look at these wounds and we work on that, that can be, that can be the big difference, the flip of the light switch. So anyways, I'm going to get off here because I know we're at an hour and seven minutes. I'll probably do a part two because I really want to also talk about those who have undergone extreme trauma. Those who've been under extreme trauma and who had to grow up really fast, connection is, it goes a little bit deeper for you, I feel like. Um, or I want to explore that particularly deeper. So I will be doing a part two. But anyways, I will see you guys next time.